There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Hello. Monday morning again. Here we are. Here we are. Are you all right? Are you? Uh, have you survived the cold over the weekend? Do you know what? I'm good. I'm not too much to report. I actually had... A pretty chilled weekend, which did you get I drunk? never come on and say. Uh, on Friday, I did, Great. but I had two days to recover. So actually that is the way to go anyone listening <laughs> friday evening is a great day to get drunk because you have Saturday and Sunday to recover there we yeah go. how about you how are you i'm good i have been solo parenting this weekend because Doz lad went for a little cheeky boys trip to the mountains and um i've got to be honest with you i like hats off to anybody that does it all the time because i had the fear around being alone with my children did you I looked after them for three nights for a really long time just me and them yeah do I know how to do it? Like, is it? Am I going to be exhausted? Like, I'm solely in charge of them. You know, just sort of weird, irrational fears. Of course, I know exactly what I'm doing. Well, who am I kidding? I don't know what. The no fuck one I'm- knows what they're doing. <laughs> no one knows what they're doing. But it was all fine. But I tell you what, the weirdest thing was, and I'm hoping that somebody listening will relate to this. Doing three nights alone in my house freaked me out. It was almost like I was in. Megan, the hot new horror movie that's come out, like I was <laughs> freaking out all over the place. Like, every time I heard a, 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 like a, a knock or a creak in the night, I was like, "Who's there?" But you're scared of the dark, aren't you? Yeah. Basically, I think yeah. I'm going to get, I think I'm going to get attacked and murdered in my own home every second that I'm here alone. So it, even in the day, I'm not that comfortable. Maybe you need a dog. I think you might need a dog. So what I did was <laughs> I went to get Luna. So I put her to bed. And then at 10 o'clock when I went to bed, I just went, Luna, do you want to come sleep with mommy? <laughs> Basically use my six-year-old as protection. <laughs> it's supposed to be the kids that do that. Like literally supposed to be the kids that do that, not, not the grown-ups. Is there someone that I could speak to about this fear? Should I go and get hypnotized? I think I think it's a good idea. <laughs> I think it's a good I think you need to get a, a dog, oh, a nightlight, and <laughs> A weighted blanket. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. That would freak. I wouldn't be able to get up if someone was coming. Your anxiety. Oh god. Uh, anyway, answers on a postcard. If anyone could message me about what you think I yeah. should do. About it, anyone? Any got any advice for adults who are scared <laughs> of the dark? <laughs> send it in. 
Um, so we've got to get into today's chat because it was actually a really meaty one and it was a really, really powerful conversation. Um, we realized that we haven't actually had a chat around this subject before and we definitely haven't had anyone come on and, and be, and be so, so honest, I guess, about it. I thought she was incredibly brave. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that, you know, her experience is very recent. Um, mm. And also, oh, gosh, like one that we can all relate to, like you can mm. totally understand how, you know, this happens every day when we become parents and we kind of put ourselves, to, you know, yeah. down the list and sort of forget about those things that we need to stay on top of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I'm really glad we've had this chat because, you know, people listening to this will absolutely know what we mean when we get into it yeah and she says it at the end we'll we'll discuss it after the chat but really if this helps one person today then Mm. she's done her job so George let's let's let everyone listen to it who are we chatting to today we are chatting to the incredible Joe Wilson very excited about this conversation today. Both Georgia and I think it's going to be a really powerful chat. Broadcaster, TV presenter, Sky Sports news host, uh, mum to a two and a half year old called Mabel. Please welcome Joe Wilson to the podcast. How are you, Joe? We've got quite a serious discussion today, but let's just get into how are you in this moment? No, I'm good. I'm good. Mabel slept through two nights in a row touch wood so I'm actually feeling like I've had a bit of sleep for a change which is good she's not a great sleeper she's not a great sleeper no never has been and she's two we said two and a half and so is this how many times has she slept through the night so I would say the first time she slept through the night was when she was about 18 months old um and then she went through you know a period where she slept through for yeah a good few months and now it's just a bit of a lottery. So we were kind of get we had it, she would wake up maybe once every, well, it would be, we would get two nights of waking up, then one night of sleeping through. Two nights of waking up, one night oh of sleeping God, through. It's so unfair, that. <laughs> yeah. Georgia and I have endless discussions, Joe, because we reckon if we could come up with the formula that solved mm. all the children who wake up in the night, yeah. we would be billionaires Absolutely. and we would be living on a yacht in Ibiza somewhere. <laughs> yeah, We would. <laughs> and we probably wouldn't be doing this podcast now, Joe. <laughs> we wouldn't be here today. We're still trying to work that out. We're not sure. We're, we're not really getting anywhere. What's really saying. annoying as well is when your child isn't sleeping, and I know that people obviously only offer advice about sleep because they, they care and they want to help, but then they go like, oh, is she sleeping in socks? Have you given mm. her a, a snack before bed? <laughs> um, you know, is she too hot? Is she too cold? Have you know? Have you tried you know, marmite and cricket juice? And you're like, I've tried everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, when you do something and it works, you then try and repeat that every night, and you feel like, oh, shit, she didn't have that half a breadstick yeah. that she had that one night that she <laughs> yeah. slept through. Right? Okay. Shit, what are we going to do? Should we wake her up and give her the half a breadstick? <laughs> it's very true. It won't be forever, Joe. Hang on in it there. Won't. Exactly. It really, really won't. <laughs> um, now you've got such a brilliantly powerful story when. Um, you know, when we were sort of uh, chatting about people coming on the podcast and your name came up, we we felt, you know, compelled to get you on because it's something that I reckon, uh, I wouldn't like to, to, to hazard a guess on a percentage of people that have dodged their smears or put off their smears, but it is a conversation that we do have a lot. Um, and, you know, we'd really love you to kind of talk us through what happened, the start of your journey to where you are now. Yeah. So basically last summer, so it was the end of June, um, I got diagnosed with cervical cancer. Um I mean, it was a massive shock, as you can imagine. It's just not something that you you ever expect to happen to you. As much as you hear, you know, cancer affects one in two people now, you still don't look at yourself and think, 
you look like someone who would ever get cancer, which, I mean, it sounds ridiculous to say it, but I think all, you know, I just don't think anyone ever expects it to happen to them. No. And I, so basically I, if we go back even further, um, I didn't really have any symptoms. Uh, I had Mabel at the end of September 2020. And there were a few things when I was pregnant, like I had a few unexplained bleeds when I was pregnant. Mm. But that was just put down to something that can happen when you're pregnant. Um, I had a bit of a traumatic birth. Uh, so basically I was in labour for three and a half days. Uh, oh, I was God. eventually induced because just things, even though I was having contractions every 10 minutes for those three and a half days, it just wasn't progressing at all. So they eventually induced me. Um, and it was just a really horrible experience where afterwards they kind of said, you know, my cervix wasn't opening properly. So there were kind of signs there, you know, when, when you think, hmm, you know, the reason for the bleeds, the reason for my cervix not opening properly, but you just don't really think anything of it because everything is just put down to just something that can happen. You know, people have long labors and, and kind of traumatic births, but I think because of that traumatic birth experience where you know it ended in a forceps delivery there was a you know there was a period where the doctors were in working on me because my heart rate had completely gone through the roof and if you speak to my partner he'll tell you you know apparently like my eyes were rolling into the back of my head and things like that like everyone was just like what is going Mm. on here and Mm. it's kind of blurry to me I mean obviously because you know all these things were happening and then when Mabel came out, she wasn't breathing. So they were working on her for a while. And it was just, it was not a great experience. We both got sepsis. So we had to stay in what? hospital for a few days afterwards. Um, how do you get sepsis, by the way? And, and how did you both get it? Well, yeah. now I, I realised my waters broke really early on. So yeah. on the, I think it was the Saturday night I went into labour. My waters broke literally four hours after the contraction started. And they recently changed the the rules around that. So if it had been a few months earlier, the rules were your waters break, you have to give birth within 24 hours because the risk of infection is so high. Is that not a thing anymore? So it's not it's now 72 hours. Yeah, so oh. when I but when I was having sorry, when I was yeah. um, in labor with Luna, my waters broke and I was another I was a three dayer as well. Right, okay, they just yeah. let and run and run but my you know then they thought she had there was you know infection jaundice all that kind of stuff because the waters had broken but it was such a long time till I actually gave birth to her right so where is it now so it's now the 72 hours wow that was why when my waters broke it was like the Sunday morning they didn't induce me until the Tuesday morning because (sighs) it was allowed to be 72 hours but I mean, if you count, it was, I think it was about 90 hours, actually. If you, oh, my gosh. So no one has said to me, that's why you got sepsis. But, you know, good old Google, you know, it, to me, it's quite obvious. That's why. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so that was another thing. There was a few days in hospital afterwards where you're just, and because it was COVID times, I was completely on my own. My partner was allowed to visit for an hour a, a day for those three days afterwards. And Jesus. It was just overall a very, uh, <laughs> not a great experience. No. And a lot to take in, like going through all of that. And then you're like, then you've got a baby <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> to exactly. look after. Yeah. What on earth do you do with this little thing that you now have to, to have to look after when you're, you know, I'd been stitched up. I'd had an episiotomy and you're, you're, you're in a lot of pain. Yeah. It, Exhausted. Yeah, it, Exhausted, absolutely exhausted. And then, yeah, suddenly just 
wow, I've got to look after this baby in a hospital bed where, you know, it's not comfortable when you're in hospital for those days afterwards. I was in a ward so I could hear the women around me. There was one next to me just watching TV the whole time. Like, you're like, I just want to sleep. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, just, yeah, not great. But anyway, you know, you get home eventually. And that was lovely to come home. Uh, and I think just the focus of, you know, when you give birth, it's the baby, isn't it? You'd, it's mm-hmm. not really mm-hmm. on you. So that was kind of where my focus then went. And I didn't feel great, but I'd had a baby. And I think a lot of people will be the same. Like you're tired because you've got a baby. You're not sleeping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also when I went back to work, I was doing early shifts. I was getting up at three thirty in the morning to go to work, so that kind of added to the fact that I was feeling so tired. So whether or not that was a symptom of the cancer, or whether it's just life, you just you just don't really know. Um, and then the other thing was when my periods came back, they came back pretty heavy, and they yeah. were quite close together. I would say. Now, that was something I spoke to my health visitor about and was reassured that that is just, again, something that can happen after you have a baby. Which I imagine is correct. It yeah. is, absolutely is correct. But yeah. it's also a symptom of cervical cancer. And I right. feel like that is just perhaps where a little bit more education is maybe needed, where midwife, I'm not, this is by no means me saying anything bad about the NHS because throughout my cancer treatment and everything they have been amazing we understand yeah but it maybe is just something that somebody somewhere could have said actually this can be a symptom of cervical cancer as well have you had your smear test are you up to date go and I get the onus is also on me to do that but it just wasn't in my thinking so do we know so do we know joe once you've given birth is there a time limit on when you should go and have your smear test after you give birth? Is it within a certain amount of time? No, I mean, it totally depends on your own history of smear tests. So in England, it's every three years. Um, So my smear test was actually due probably, I think, when I was about three or four months pregnant. Mm. So I think it's then once you give birth, you can have one after three months. So they, would, okay. they wouldn't give you one straight away, but I think that may not be completely factually correct. That's maybe something I would need to check, but I'm pretty sure. So if you're, yeah, if you're due one when you're pregnant, you yeah. should go you as should soon go as you're allowed. As soon as you're allowed, which I think is three months after you give birth. Okay, so that makes that made you a, a year late for your smear test, exactly. thinking. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So yeah, it got to the point where I thought, right, I need to go for my smear test because it's due. Also, this thing with my periods just being quite heavy and close together and they got heavier and heavier. And you know, when there's just something in you that you're like, even though I've been told this is something that can happen, I think I need to get checked out. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I made an appointment. I actually went privately to a gynecologist because I thought I need my smear test. But I would also just like a bit of reassurance as to just that everything's OK after mm-hmm. what I'd been through. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was kind of I was being examined and you know when you can just kind of tell there's something not right here from her reaction so while she was doing your smear test she could tell straight yeah, away she kind of was like she she kind of went oh um hmm and I, I was like oh that doesn't sound hmm. great what do those noises mean and, yeah. exactly and she said her words were it's it's something's not looking normal 
right. and then once she'd done it, whatever, she, she kind of cleaned up and she said, right, just get changed and come through once you're changed. And then when I went through to the other room, there was another nurse that she'd brought in. And you think, hmm, this is a bit strange. Like, why is there someone else here now? And she said, I'm, I'm really sorry to tell you, but I think you have cervical cancer. Jesus and it was Christ. just, you know, just like that. And oh you just my think, gosh. sorry. And like, I'd gone on my own because you kind of, well, yeah. why would you take yeah. your partner to your smear test, you know? Um, and I mean, she did say, she said, it might not be, but it, she was, I want to be completely honest with you. Yeah. What could she see? Because I she guess, see? like, yeah. you know, when you go for a smear test, you usually wait for your results, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're like, oh, yeah. Like, she basically what? said, my cervix just didn't look normal. Now, okay. what that means, I don't know. Um, whether she could see a tumour, I, I don't know. I didn't ask ask that, but she, yeah, she just said it didn't look normal. True. Were, th- were there any other symptoms? So we, we were talking about the, the periods being heavy and a little bit closer together. Was there any discharge? Was there any smell? Was there any pain during sex? I guess it was only three months after you'd given birth, so potentially yeah. you, might, you might not have had sex but for a while, but was there anything else that was triggering your concerns there was, at there that was point? There nothing at all, no. And I think that is the thing with a cancer like this is, you know, you need the, the, the symptoms are unusual bleeding, unusual discharge, pain or bleeding during or after sex. They're the ones that we all know about. It's th- things like um, pain when you go for a wee, that can be a symptom. Right. But there can also be no symptoms, you know, through research that I've done and speaking to other girls that I've met on social media and things that are going through something similar and reading other people's stories, the amount that say actually they didn't have symptoms. God. And that is why smear tests are so important. And that's kind of, you know, I think we all know smear tests are important, but but we also all put them off. (laughs) And also, like you say as well, like if you've had, I mean, I didn't go for a smear test. So I probably didn't have one for five years because I had Axel. Then I got pregnant with Gigi maybe two and a bit years later or whatever it was. Then I had Gigi. And then I probably, yeah, I probably, yeah. it was five years, I reckon. I didn't yeah, yeah, have yeah. one. Just yep, same, because, And also, like, when your mind, I guess, like, you, like you're saying, when you become a parent, your mind sort of goes away from you for a while, a good while, I'd say, yeah. and your focus is just on the children. So yeah. I, I, it's so easy to do. Like, it's so easy to, to just think, oh, I'll do it. I'll go another time. The amount of people that have got in touch with me since, because... I kind of felt a little bit, ash- a bit, a bit ashamed, a bit embarrassed I because oh. I was like, oh my goodness, everyone's going to know that I didn't go for my smear tests when I should have gone for my smear test. Mm, and that yeah. sounds silly, but I was a bit embarrassed about it. But then the amount of people that got in touch with me afterwards to be like, oh my goodness, I've, I've booked my smear test now because I'm overdue. Yeah. Um, people in similar situations that their smears were due before they got pregnant, they put it off, they've now got yeah. an 18-month-old, they went for their smear test. And you know, the majority of people will go and they'll be fine. Yeah. They, they won't have cervical cancer. Like, this is a very rare thing to happen. Um, I'm just one of the kind of unlucky ones. It's very interesting that you you mentioned sort of shame and embarrassment there, Joe, because I, I, you know, I was lucky. I had a normal result on my smear, but like Georgia, I put it off and you know had the babies, and then there was a traumatic birth, quite similar to your story, and then I got pregnant again with Kit yeah. and didn't have, you know, and then I went for one recently. I was really ashamed. I was sitting there thinking, what the fuck? Like I could have cancer here, and it's my fault, and I should have been more, yeah. 
grown up about it or on top of it or whatever you want to call it. Um, and luckily it was all all right. But I, yeah, I, I definitely felt a bit stupid. Like, come on, like you yeah. should have gone. This is really, this is, this has to be our responsibility. But I think when you've been through everything that you've described, especially if you've had a traumatic birth, you don't yeah. want somebody poking and fiddling no. around and you know, exactly. it's just, you just want to heal at home. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, what weeks like this are all about with it. it's cervical cancer prevention week. And one of the charities that I've been talking to and working with, they're called Joe's Trust, which is, you know, it's, I know it's my name where you just think that's mad when it's linked yeah. like that. But it was set up in memory of a woman called Joe that had a, a really uh, just a terrible experience with misdiagnosis and things and eventually died of cervical cancer. And I've been chatting with with them and they're doing so much work to try and in cervical cancer this is this is their thing which it sounds almost for me I find that quite triggering initially because it I was like I've done something wrong and that's why cervical cancer still exists but actually we do have to take responsibility we have to go for our smear test but there's loads of other things as well with things like vaccines for the HPV you know we're of a generation I guess as well you know I was too old didn't, I didn't yeah I didn't after have to us. but the uptake is it's less than 60 percent right so it's just about educating people to get your daughter's vaccine when they're eligible to do it why do you think it's so why do you think it's only 60 percent I really don't know um does it not happen at school well no, yeah it does yeah I think it does and I don't know whether it's a lack of education where people are maybe not educated as to what this HPV because most cervical cancers are caused by the HPV virus okay most people can get rid of each most people have HPV but their bodies deal with it and get rid of it and I just wonder if there's a lack of education and understanding around this virus and the fact that it causes most cervical cancers so therefore if you get vaccinated against it it's you know you're gonna your chances of getting cervical cancer are even lower Um, So there's that factor, you know, educating people about the vaccine. And also, I just think with kind of postnatal care, there needs to be some kind of education as well around Mm -hmm. midwives, health visitors, even I don't know how how you guys found it, but that six week check that you have with your GP. A waste of time. Sorry. Yeah, and like the one thing they seem to want to know is what contraception are you going to go on? Yeah, I know, I know. The non-sex contraception? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The kind where it would be a miracle that if is, I get rid of that kind. Like, honestly. But you think, where's the physical examination if you want one? The checking no. your stitches, the asking about your birth. Like I, I feel if someone had maybe gone over my birth notes, they may have picked out things. Like my consultant, um, my my cancer consultant was amazing and he I've not spoken to him about it yet but he was like I'm going to go through your birth notes and try and find some answers because he thinks there very much is a link to the things that happened mm-hmm. and having cancer so it's kind of like if someone had done some kind of post-birth briefing with me perhaps they would have thought right yeah and that would have pushed me to ha- be examined earlier um and, you know, I had I was diagnosed with stage 3C, which meant it had spread to my lymph nodes. And that's basically Jesus the stage God. before it becomes terminal. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's frightening. It is frightening. Can we just go back to, you know, you've gone for a smear test and you've kind of just wanted a bit of reassurance that everything's all right. And then they say to you, I think you've got cancer when you've got quite a young child. What goes, what happens What in your head? What, what was going on? Yeah, I mean... 
it's, it, you just feel like you've been hit by a truck or something. It was like unbelievable. I mean, I started crying, obviously. I think it was just like the shock. And then, you know, the first question I asked was, you know, am I going to die? Which maybe sounds ridiculous, but no, you know, you, you, hear cancer, yeah. you just think, yeah. what? Like, am I going to die? Um, and, it, and she was great. She was like, you know, she managed to get me in for a cold, oh, I always mispronounce this, a colposcopy or whatever it's called, which is obviously the further examination that you need so they can take biopsies and to yeah. confirm that it is actually cervical cancer um, two days later, which was amazing. So, you know, had that. And then that consultant, once I came round, came to speak to me, confirmed it was cervical cancer. And again, just, you know, burst into tears. I was again, am I going to die? And he was great. He said, you know what? It is very treatable and it's very curable. So he was really reassuring mm. in that respect. Um, kind of reassured me that I had a lot going for me in terms of being young, being reasonably fit. Um, and yeah, just kind of, yeah, trying to reassure me as much as possible that I would start my treatment soon and, you know, it was treatable. Um, I think it was when I got home in those few weeks after, literally every time I would see my little girl, you would just start to think, sorry guys, I think it's no, just, no. yeah, I mean, your mum's no. it's like, you would look yeah. at that child and just think, what if he is going to grow up without a mum? Like, mm. it's just, it wasn't even, you know, I'm not afraid. I kind of realised that I wasn't really afraid of dying. You kind of, you think, you know, I'm, I'm when you're faced with the prospect of, you know, a disease that could kill you, I was like, do you know what? I, I don't necessarily fear dying, but I don't want to leave behind this little girl. Yeah. I don't want her to grow up without a mum. Mm. And that was where the sadness really came from. I think mm -hmm. it wasn't for me, it was for her. Yeah. And what about your partner? How supportive was he? Yeah, and, I mean, and, he's and how amazing. was he during it all? Yeah, yeah, like it was obviously a massive shock to him as well. And you kind of go through that process of <clears throat> from the initial, um, I think it's cervical cancer. You then have the next step where it's like, yep, yeah, it's cervical cancer. It's then another week of waiting for test results and scans and whatnot yep it's cervical cancer we think it and initially they said we think it's stage two you then go for mri more mri scans a pet scan and then it was like actually it's 3c um they then come up with your treatment plan so kind of at every stage i think he was a little bit like no like at first he's like no it's until we get proper confirmation from these test results it's not <laughs> and went into a little bit of denial and then obviously realized okay it is um and he was obviously very upset but he he's just a strong person and was so yeah. supportive and kind of went into very practical mode of you know he went down to Holland and Barrett and bought me <laughs> turmeric capsules for <laughs> anti-inflammation he was making me yeah. blueberry smoothies every day for the antioxidants and things yeah. like that and um yeah just an amazing support and then even when they were doing the staging when it was like they said it was stage two I then had to go for an appointment after I'd had another scan to confirm it was stage two and I said to him I said what if it's not what if it is stage four like what if it's spread further mm. and he kind of said he said 
do you know what? It doesn't matter. You will still have the same treatment and you will still beat it. Yes. So, you know, that's all you know, all you have to think about. And that was, you know, that was kind of reassuring that you thought, you know what, he is right. Whether it's stage one, stage three, stage four, it would have been the same treatment and mm. it would still have to be the same outcome that I would have to get through it. So We'll be right back after this short break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? Talking about treatment, Joe. what did your treatment plan look like? And was there anything that you had any sort of input on? I mean, were you, is it chemotherapy, radiotherapy? How does it work? Yeah, so I had uh, five weeks of radiotherapy. So it was every day, Monday to Friday, you go in for a radiotherapy session and then chemotherapy once a week. So that was every Wednesday for five weeks. And then the final stage was actually it was a thing called brachytherapy, which is targeted internal radiotherapy. So I was in hospital for three days. They basically, I don't know how much detail to go into, but they basically put rods inside you to target what's left of the tumour from the chemotherapy radiotherapy. And then you have, I think I had three doses of this internal radiotherapy so you literally have to lie in a hospital bed for three days flat and they kind of wheel you up and down to get this thing I mean it was it was horrible it was just uh, like unimaginable but because it was the last part of your treatment you're like right yeah like once I'm through this that's it done um and yeah the, I mean no input you're basically told this is your treatment plan you have to sign all these consent consent forms. They tell you all the side effects that you may have. You know, there's a low chance of this happening, there's a high chance of this side effect, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And it's horrible. You're reading all these things. And you're just like, I mean, yeah. I, you, yeah, like you can lose a leg or that, you know, that's the extreme. Um, then there's other, you know, side effects just to do with like your bowels and your bladder. And you just think, oh my goodness. And I said to the consultant, I said, I mean, what choice do I have but to sign this? And she was like, Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously yeah. you have a choice, but if you don't have the treatment. And I guess, you you know, you said that your partner was quite practical as soon as, you know, you got your diagnosis. It's like, right, OK, well, we're going to we're going to fight this and it's going to all be OK. Did you ever have the conversations of, you know, what if, what if, especially when you're signing these forms and and you're suddenly like, oh, gosh, this, you know, this is may, might not work or it might not go the way we thought it might have gone. Yeah. Did you have conversations about what? 
you know what you would do if it didn't go to plan or we didn't really I mean we (laughs) this is going to sound terrible but I think part of our way of dealing with it was having a little bit of dark humor about it so actually those conversations were almost done in jest where you know he would say something like oh when you're dead like (laughs) and that that sounds terrible but it was funny um Mm. and so yeah no I think we never had it in on a serious note apart from um we actually got married um so I finished my treatments at the start of September we got married at the end of September but just in a little top secret um just the two of us with Mabel at Chelsea Town Hall lovely Um, but that conversation came about where it was like if I die it's probably better that we're married because you know just for everything with the house with our with Mabel everything's just easier if you've got the official documents um so yeah, we we spoke about it in that respect, which sounds very unromantic. Um, but it was it was never an option. Like we we were just very we will get through this and it'll Did be you fine. lose your hair, Joe? No. So that's the again, that was after I asked if I was gonna die, that was my second question was whether I was gonna yeah. lose my hair. And I think that's the amazing thing about chemotherapy now and cancer treatment in general. It seems to have, you know, come along um from I think before you would think cancer treatment you would automatically think of just yeah. with no hair yeah really really sick and I did get pretty sick I lost quite a lot of weight and things but yeah no the that particular chemotherapy I was on it was a very low chance of losing your hair so right wow. was that was that a yeah. big thing for you yeah I think it is I think mm. I mean if I had lost my hair I mean I guess there's wigs and things like that but yeah, I mean, it's your hair is part of you, isn't it? Yes. So, yeah, the fact yeah. it was my second question, I think, probably yeah. could tell how. I'd be the same. I'd be the same. Was, <laughs> yeah, and I think as well when you've got children, like especially really young ones who don't, you know, you can't really explain to them, oh, I'm going to lose my hair because of this, but actually yeah. it's a good thing and I've got no choice. It, you you almost want to keep up appearances, don't you, yeah. to your kids? Well, you the don't less want shocking them... the better. You don't want them yeah, to be looking at exactly. you and thinking, what's going on with no, mummy? I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. It was nice that Mabel was of that age where she actually doesn't have a clue what was going on. Yeah. Um, and that was helpful to me because it meant that I could just try and kind of go into mum mode and, and almost forget mm-hmm. about that while I was having the treatment because she didn't know what was going on. So to her, everything was just very normal and it helped keep it quite normal for me. But she's funny. If I put my hair in a ponytail, she tries to pull it out because she likes my hair down. Right. So I think, can you imagine if I'd lost my hair? She would be like, no idea yeah, what no. was going on. I love they have such strong opinions on how we should wear our hair already. <laughs> Mine exactly. Georgia, yours is the same. It's like, I like oh. your hair down, not up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even if I, I, I remember putting red lipstick on once when oh, yeah. it was like 6.30 in the morning and I was leaving to go to work and I'd just like gone to say bye to Axel and he went, oh, mummy, why have you drawn on your face? And you were like, oh. <laughs> Now I feel terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Luna did it to me in Kenya. With I bought a new dress and I spent like a bit of money on it. I was like, oh, I can treat myself to a new... And I went, oh, mummy. And I was sort of spinning around. I was like, do you like my new dress? And she just went, no. No. <laughs> and I was like, that? what? Not at all. And she was like, no, no. And I was like, okay. And then I got really upset. And I turned around to Dozer and Dozer was like, don't cry about it. She's six. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, she's honest as yeah, well, really you know. Honest. I was just going to ask how old Mabel was when you were having your treatment. Only because I know you were breast, you, you, you breastfed, didn't you, until she was two. So did yes. that impact that, 
you know having to finish or I, I don't know like can you can you breastfeed basically that was why I had to stop um I had a bit of a weird breastfeeding journey as they as they call it because I wanted to stop when you know you know when you have a baby and you have all these ideas that you're like oh I'm going to breastfeed for six months or I'm going to yeah or not breastfeed or, or whatever I was kind of like if I can breastfeed I can breastfeed if I can't I can't I actually found it quite easy. I think being in lockdown helped a lot because I didn't ever have that pressure of being out and about. I was just at home. I could just, you know, have my brow on and you didn't have to worry about any logistics and things. Um, so, yeah, I found breastfeeding relatively easy. But what I wasn't prepared for was how hard it was to stop. So yeah. when I went back to work, I went back to work when she was eight months old and I, she wouldn't take a bottle. So it was like how on earth can I go back to work when I've got a baby to feed? And I mean, I had to. What did you do? Well, (laughs) I mean, we spent a lot of money on Amazon trying to buy bottles and different teats. And we tried everything from using breast milk, different kinds of formula, different temperatures, just would not take this bottle. We did that for a good kind of month or so before I went back to work. Then on the day I was going back to work, I was doing an evening shift. I was just in pieces because I can't do this. And people were like, oh, she will just get so hungry that she will eventually take a bottle. So my partner just had to deal with it. Yeah, see ya. I'm off to work. Yeah, I never had so much mum guilt. Like I was literally sobbing, driving to work, thinking, what on earth am I doing? Um, And she didn't take a bottle because she's stubborn. (laughs) So she eventually just learned, I think, that when mum wasn't there, she didn't get milk. So luckily, because she was about eight months old, she was. Yeah, she's eating. Yeah. So Dan, my partner, used to just feed her up on like yogurts and cheese and things and try and like porridge. Um, How incredible that she didn't take a bottle when you weren't there. Like, that's amazing because you never really hear that. You're like, oh, actually, yeah, do you know what? She'll get so hungry. Of course, she'll take a bottle eventually. She's really determined that the boob is the only thing she wanted. Yeah. And I mean, it's like what you were saying with people giving advice about sleep like people give advice about this have you tried this have you tried that like we have literally tried everything everything Everything. i've bought amazon (laughs) (laughs) i'm starting a bottle shop we have so many bottles at home we do things like make him wear my jumper and feed her a bottle (laughs) to try and make him smell like me (laughs) it's like no it did not did not work um but yeah so when i started the treatment i just had yeah had to stop breastfeeding which it was you know it's sad because as much as I say I wanted to stop because I was definitely one of these mums that was like I can't breastfeed a two-year-old like <laughs> you know who, who breastfeeds a two-year-old but people do and it it was yeah I was I wanted yeah. to stop but at the same time when you're forced into it it's a different yeah. story where you're like oh and it was yeah it was like four days of hell where she just screamed but then by day five, it was just like she'd never breastfed in her life. Boob who? There you go. What's yeah, that? exactly. <laughs> Boob who? Um, can I ask you a couple of personal questions? So please feel free to pass on them. But yeah. um, I guess the first one is where, I mean, hopefully you won't pass on this one. Where are you in your recovery? And, you know, and, ha- and how do you feel? And, I, and the second one is, is, has having cervical cancer affected you being able to have children, more children? Yeah, so first, uh question i finished my treatment as i said in september you then have to wait for three months to have a scan so i had a scan in december which came back it's a weird one because they basically think it's all clear 
So there's nothing in my lymph nodes. They saw no tumour, um, which is great. But there was just one little area that was showing, which my consultant thinks is just inflammation. But there's a chance that it could be hiding something. So it's, I'm at that point where it's like, I think I'm all clear, but there's a chance I might not be. Um, so I now have to wait till March for another scan. But historically, they never used to scan at three months is what she was trying to explain to me, because most people will still have inflammation or scar mm-hmm. tissue. Mm-hmm. So I'm, she, I, she was very reassuring that it was brilliant news. I mean, her opening line was, your scan is as good as we would have hoped for. It's excellent. You know, she was using words like that. So oh, great. I mean, yeah, but it's just that little thing where I'm still... there is still a chance that Mm. there could be something lurking. So yeah, March for another scan. Um, But I'm feeling good. I feel uh, it's it's funny because, like I said, I wasn't feeling particularly bad before I got diagnosed. But then it's the treatment that completely floors you. Um, But I would say I'm feeling pretty much recovered from the treatment. Um, Got my appetite back really quickly, managed to put all the weight back on and um yeah I'm I'm managing to do right. normal things I'm back Wonderful at work news. which was a huge yeah. thing for me getting back to work they've been so supportive which was just amazing kind of didn't have to think about work while I was having my treatment and again they've kind of yeah said I can come back do as many days as I want and build it up and and things so yeah no I'm feeling feeling good um I think maybe psychologically might take just a little bit more to kind of process what's happened and what's happening but that's something that I'm going to try and deal with uh, over the next little while maybe get some help with some counselling and and things that's on offer Um, and yeah the biggest side effect is that I'm now going through early menopause so um, you you know that as soon as you start treatment they tell you that you're going to be infertile which I mean I'm 38 so it, it was always one of those things where we hadn't ruled out having another child. Um, I think we kind of thought we would probably only have one, but we certainly hadn't completely decided. Yeah. And then, yeah, as soon as you're told that, you know, you of course are like devastated because yes. <laughs> it, it, it's it's just that decision being taken away from you. And I think as a woman as well, it's just, it, it's hard to suddenly have to deal with the fact that you are infertile and yeah I mean going through the menopause that's that's a whole other podcast episode as it is oh mate talk about it a lot on this podcast and I guess um you can't take HRT so I can actually oh you Um, can I can yeah so I started I only started a couple of weeks ago though because yeah there's certain types of cancers that are related to hormones that mean you can't take HRT but with cervical cancer it's not a hormonal cancer so you can yeah. take HRT. Well, yeah. message me if you want any advice around hormone yeah. replacement okay. therapy because I'm also in early menopause and I've, t- I've taken so many different types of, of, of okay. potions and, and tablets and patches and whatever yeah. else. So, yeah, if you want no, any advice on that. Will, I definitely will. I love talking about it as well. It's a minefield, isn't yes. it? Um, yeah. But there's some amazing people doing great work for particularly those going through it early on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's something, again, it's all quite new to me at the moment. But yeah. It's, and I think that's with my recovery as well. Everything that's happening, I'm questioning. I'm like, do I feel like this because of the cancer? Do I feel like this because of the cancer treatment? Do I feel like this because of the menopause? Like it's so yeah. hard to know yeah, yeah, yeah. what is the menopause and what is 
reality. Yeah. And, and also just being a knackered parent of a yeah, two, of a two and a half year old. It's, just a, lot. it's a lot in two and a half years to have had a child, to have had cancer and to be going through the menopause. Like, you know, that's individually, that's those things are a lot for yeah. any person to take on let alone you know all three so I think you're unbelievable yeah. me and Georgia yeah. are looking at you going she looks mm. fresh as a daisy I know perfectly curled hair immaculate <laughs> oh, room behind her I mean I was you know I've locked myself in this is the spare room that like literally no one comes into because Mabel's downstairs <laughs> this is probably the only room that she can't hear me <laughs> brilliant now Joe, let's um let's get on to our products because yes. we love to hear our products yes. on the podcast um, and we know we'll, you're prepared do you want to tell us what your yeah five favorite products are yeah it's funny because when we were speaking about doing this I thought I can't even remember what products I used when she was a baby like it feels like so long ago um and I'm sorry if these are quite simplistic but my first one is it's like snuggle is it oh yeah 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 snuggle baby snuggle baby basically I remember talking to people that had babies and trying to get ideas of what we needed. And quite a few people, this seems to divide people. Quite a few people like, nope, you don't need anything for them in the bath. Um, but I don't know what I would have done without it. Because What do you do if you don't have a bath? Like if you don't have a little bath for them, you just don't hold know. them? Or... I mean, there's some people I think... Oh my God, you can't recommended... hold them. It's like trying no. to catch a goldfish. Exactly. Someone recommended them. <laughs> it is, you're so right. It's a slippery little sucker. Someone recommended this sponge. It's like a little sponge support thing. It's like, that gives zero support. Like, it, yeah, so this... And we used this bath till she was over one because she was quite little and she's still quite little. She fits she fits in it for ages. Um, so yeah, that for me was just, yeah, made bath time. Brilliant. Easy peasy. Yeah. The uh, sleepy head. Oh, oh, which is now called a docketot. A docketot. My third one, the baby Bjorn bouncer chair. Brilliant. Again, I we just, had that. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because these products, some of them are the ones that, if you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you'll know they come up time and time yeah. again. And so they are they these are the ones these are yeah. the ones so if you're they listening are. to this now and you're about to have a baby these are still the, the, the recommendations yeah. they're still going yeah. which is so good yeah because i just remember like what do you do with this baby if you're trying to make dinner and the bouncer have chair a shower perfect. Just, you know chuck her in the bouncer chair and then you can actually do things with your two hands we, we had this um this chair it was it was like was it, is, is it the joy joy george we can never say the name joey joey. joey i remember joey. googling joey. it oh, trying yeah, to yeah. find the pronunciation yeah yeah and then we had to do that job with them and we were like how the hell do we say <laughs> do the brand? We anyway, that it? one and it used to just rock luna so oh, you strap yeah. her in and then it played a little tune a little melody yeah. and she was in it from like morning till night <laughs> every video i've got of her is her just like swaying back and forth <laughs> she loves a roller coaster now <laughs> yeah and then i've put stickers as my next stickers. one yeah love because that for even from when she was quite little it would just keep her occupied for ages and ages and even now it's my yeah. go-to if i want her to you know if you're on a plane i go up to see family in scotland it's only an hour on the plane but it's great just give her stickers she'll stick yeah. them all over the place the supermarket, I remember to sit her in the trolley, she would just stick stickers all over the trolley. <laughs> the worst thing is, though, if you end up going out and you've been playing with stickers and you have them like all over your jeans and you don't notice, and you're yeah. just or, like one on your face and you've been yeah. speaking yeah. over and you think, yeah. Always. <laughs> so, so. Um, and then my last one, uh, YouTube, it's for me, it's just the best invention ever for a child. It's scary though, because 
you know, she can do it all. And you think Mm. you're two years old and you know how to swipe and swipe along and skip ad and um, yeah. yeah, this is, is like, quite incredible. Mm. Yeah, no judgment yeah. parenting, so that's why. <laughs> oh no, yeah, yeah, YouTube yeah. is like dreaming. Yeah, absolutely. There's yeah. a reason why. Like, what is it? Baby Shark has had like 50 million hits or something. Yeah. It's more than that, I think. But yeah, yeah. But I also think it's quite educational. Like, she's learned her alphabet and how to count and things through YouTube. Like, I haven't taught her that. Kids' YouTube's incredible. It's the, amazing. Uh, the yeah, other day, I found Kit and Luna watching a program about feelings, and they was it was talking about you know why we get angry what happens to us inside our body, you know, then they're watching one about the planet, you know, what we can do to reduce, you know, CO2 emissions or whatever, you know, I don't even know what I'm talking about, but they do. Then they start asking me all the questions and I'm like, shit. Uh, Ask your dad. (laughs) Google. (laughs) Google. Hey, Google. Uh, But yeah, um, no, no judgment here. Love that. Um, Now, piece of advice. Piece of advice. This is a kind of an old quote that I, I think is just good life advice. This too shall pass is the quote yes um and I think it's just a reminder that everything is temporary um I actually I hate it when people tell you it's just a phase (laughs) but that is essentially what I'm saying because I think when you're in it it's very difficult to to remember that it's just a phase but I think for everything like even the good times you have to remember they're just temporary so you really have to you know soak it all in Um, exactly and yeah when you're in the bad times as well just remember it is just temporary and it will pass and you'll be on to something something else but yeah just I think it's just quite good life advice to live I love that that. I really love that amazing what an amazingly powerful wonderful conversation thank you for being so open honest you know I hope that even if one person listening you know books a smear test uh now then you know that's that's the reason I want to speak out just because I want I want people to to realize how important it is yeah amazing brilliant thank you so thanks a million good luck with everything thank you Joe Wilson what a woman I know like um like unbelievable all of that stuff happening in the space of a couple of years and how I mean, she did get upset. She's obviously going to be very upset. It's still very raw and, you know, very real. And she, she was open that she hasn't actually had the full all clear yet. Yeah. But she's just so positive. And mm. take, I guess she's just taking it all in her stride. Um, it's Scary interesting, stuff. isn't it? Scary stuff. Scary stuff listening to that podcast because listening to her talk the way she did, I mean, we... We have all been in that situation where we might have put something off or not got around to doing something that, you know, and that's not Joe's fault in any way, shape or form. That is having a baby, you know, having to wait till three months postpartum, people missing the signs, you know, all of that. And suddenly you've you've been diagnosed with cervical cancer. It's absolutely terrifying. And the way she handled it, I thought was brilliant. Just like very matter of fact, but just, just like you said, really brave, really inspirational. Yeah, I find it interesting when we have, you know, people who come on and, and they've gone through something like this. It's almost like you go into like a, like sort of a fight or, you know, like that kind of 
yeah fighting Fight mentality, mentality yeah. yeah where you just think right this has happened to me yes it's really shit but I have to get on with it and I don't know if mm. that's because we're parents and we have to we just have to get on with yeah. it or if that is across the board but you know please go for your smear tests yeah please please, please. it's really interesting that you say that because actually I think hopefully you and I would be the same you know, if it, if it ever happened to us. But when my mum got diagnosed with breast cancer, I went the other way. Yeah, I but it's somebody crumbled. else. I was like, yeah. she's going to die. She's going to die. I'm going to lose another parent. This is going to be it. I'm going to be an orphan. It was it was very hard to keep positive. And everyone kept saying to me, you've got to be a pillar of strength for her. And every yeah. time I spoke to her, I was just fucking weeping and wailing down the phone like, don't leave me. She was like, I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah. And then she hasn't. You know, she's been amazing. But it's like, yeah, maybe if it happens to yourself... You, you've got more of a, a more of that fighting instinct in you when it's taken away from you yeah. it's out of your control it's very hard yeah and also she said like I'm you know I realised I'm not actually scared to die but I'm yeah, scared of what I was I leaving am. behind and I think that I, I think that's probably what happens in your mm. mind you think I don't care what happens to me I just care about you know my daughter or whoever who I'm leaving behind <gasps> are you scared of dying? um no no no, I'm not. But I am really? scared. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to die. But I... No, I'm not scared of dying because, I don't know, when you're dead. <laughs> I don't know. No. But no. I, I would be petrified knowing that I was going to die if I was leaving behind children and a husband and a family. Yeah, that's it, like, isn't it? that's what it is I think when you think about all the things you might miss out on and oh god I just couldn't let my mind go there I don't think are you scared to die well some days I think is this my last one like I know that sounds Shut really up. morbid no but you so- <laughs> no as in I, I don't mean it no no but I do think we I'm sorry George but we we hear horror stories all the time. You know, we, yeah. we only have to turn the telly on to see what can happen in a split second. So some mornings I do think, well, if this is my last one, I'm going to make it a really good one. And I sometimes think, oh, is it going to... Ha-? No, I do think that because we just don't know. I'm yeah. quite positive about it. I like to think that, I, you know, I can get through the day without anything too tragic happening. But it, you just don't know. So you've got to live every day like it's your last one. Is that a really weird thing to say? Well, I've never woken up and thought, maybe today's my last day. <laughs> You're waking up and thinking, how do I get out of this marriage? <gasps> <laughs> Is this my last day of marriage? <laughs> a married woman. Well, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of maybe open up that conversation because it is an, in- you know, we talk about life. We talk about life constantly mm-hmm. on this podcast, having babies and talking about all of that side of it. But actually, we never really touch death. And so... No, we don't. Yeah, let's have a think about it. Um, thank you so much to the wonderful Joe, And let's please, please keep um, giving our podcast a little review. If you can rate it as well, that would be amazing. And also following it really helps us because uh, and helps you because it means you don't miss an episode. Yeah. And if you've got any suggestions for topics you'd like us to cover, like Zoe's just mentioned, or guests that you've seen that you'd like to hear from, then please do drop us a DM. We're on Instagram at Made by Mummers and we'll be back on Friday. Made by Mummers is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.